0: Chapter 92 of White Jacket or The World in a Man of War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. White Jacket or The World in a Man of War. By Herman Melville. Chapter 92 The Last of the Jacket. already has white jacket chronicled the mishaps and inconveniences troubles and tribulations of all sorts brought upon him by that unfortunate but indispensable garment of his but now it befalls him to record how this jacket for the second and last time came near proving his shroud of a pleasant midnight our good frigate now somewhere off the capes of virginia was running on bravely when the breeze gradually dying left us slowly gliding toward our still invisible port headed by jack chase the quarter watch were reclining in the top talking about the shore delights into which they intended to plunge while our captain often broke in with allusions to similar conversations when he was on board the english line-of-battle ship the asia drawing nigh to portsmouth in england after the battle of Navarino. Suddenly an order was given to set the main top gallant stunsail, and the halyards not being rove, Jack Chase assigned me to that duty. Now this reeving of the halyards of a main top gallant stunsail is a business that eminently demands sharp sightedness, skill, and celerity. Consider that the end of a line some two hundred feet long is to be carried aloft in your teeth, if you please, and dragged far out on the giddiest of yards, and, after being wormed and twisted about through all sorts of intricacies, turning abrupt corners at the abruptest of angles, is to be dropped, clear of all obstructions, in a straight plumb-line right down to the deck. In the course of this business there is a multitude of sheave-holes and blocks through which you must pass it, often the rope is a very tight fit so as to make it like threading a fine cambric needle with rather coarse thread indeed it is a thing only deftly to be done even by day judge then what it must be to be threading cambric needles by night and at sea upward of a hundred feet aloft in the air with the end of the line in one hand I was mounting the topmast shrouds when our captain of the top told me that I had better off jacket, but though it was not a very cold night, I had been reclining so long in the top that I had become somewhat chilly, so I thought best not to comply with the hint. Having reeved the line through all the inferior blocks, I went out with it to the end of the weather topgallant yard arm, and was in the act of leaning over and passing it through the suspended jewel-block there, when the ship gave a plunge in the sudden swells of the calm sea, and, pitching me still further over the yard, threw the heavy skirts of my jacket right over my head, completely muffling me. Somehow I thought it was the sail that had flapped, and, under that impression, threw up my hands to drag it from my head, relying upon the sail itself to support me meanwhile just then the ship gave another sudden jerk and head foremost i pitched from the yard i knew where i was from the rush of the air by my ears but all else was a nightmare a bloody film was before my eyes through which ghost-like passed and repassed my father mother and sisters an utterable nausea oppressed me i was conscious of gasping there seemed no breath in my body it was over one hundred feet that i fell down down with lungs collapsed as in death ten thousand pounds of shot seemed tied to my head as the irresistible law of gravitation dragged me head foremost and straight as a die toward the infallible centre of this terraqueous globe All I had seen and read and heard, and all I had thought and felt in my life, seemed intensified in one fixed idea in my soul. But, dense as this idea was, it was made up of atoms. Having fallen from the projecting yard-arm end, I was conscious of a collected satisfaction in feeling that I should not be dashed on the deck, but would sink into the speechless profound of the sea with the bloody blind film before my eyes there was a still stranger hum in my head as if a hornet were there and i thought to myself great god this is death yet these thoughts were unmixed with alarm like frost-work that flashes and shifts its scared hues in the sun all my braided blended emotions were in themselves icy cold and calm So protracted did my fall seem, that I can even now recall the feeling of wondering how much longer it would be, ere all was over and I struck. Time seemed to stand still, and all the world seemed poised on their poles, as I fell, soul-becalmed, through the eddying whirl and swirl of the maelstrom air. At first, as I have said, I must have been precipitated head-foremost, But I was conscious, at length, of a swift, flinging motion of my limbs, which involuntarily threw themselves out, so that at last I must have fallen in a heap. This is more likely from the circumstance that when I struck the sea, I felt as if someone had smote me slantingly across the shoulder and along part of my right side. As I gushed into the sea, a thunder-boom sounded in my ear— My soul seemed flying from my mouth. The feeling of death flooded over me with the billows. The blow from the sea must have turned me, so that I sank almost feet foremost through a soft, seething, foamy lull. Some current seemed hurrying me away. In a trance I yielded and sank deeper down with a glide. Purple and pathless was the deep calm now around me. FLECKED BY SUMMER LIGHTNINGS, IN AN AZURE AFAR. THE HORRIBLE NAUSEA WAS GONE. THE BLOODY, BLIND FILM TURNED A PALE GREEN. I WONDERED WHETHER I WAS YET DEAD OR STILL DYING. BUT OF A SUDDEN, SOME FASHIONLESS FORM BRUSHED MY SIDE, SOME INERT, coiled FISH OF THE SEA. THE THRILL OF BEING ALIVE AGAIN TINGLED IN MY NERVES, AND THE STRONG SHUNNING OF DEATH SHOCKED ME THROUGH. For one instant, an agonizing revulsion came over me as I found myself utterly sinking. Next moment the force of my fall was expanded, and there I hung, vibrating in the mid-deep. What wild sounds then rang in my ear. One was a soft moaning, as of low waves on the beach, the other wild and heartlessly jubilant, as of the sea in the height of a tempest. O soul, Thou then heardest life and death, as he who stands upon the Corinthian shore hears both the Ionian and the Aegean waves. The life and death poise soon passed, and then I found myself slowly ascending, and caught a dim glimmering of light. Quicker and quicker I mounted, till at last I bounded up like a buoy, and my whole head was bathed in the blessed air. I had fallen in a line with the mainmast. I now found myself nearly abreast of the mizzenmast, the frigate slowly gliding by like a black world in the water. Her vast hull loomed out of the night, showing hundreds of seamen in the hammock nettings, some tossing over ropes, others madly flinging overboard the hammocks. But I was too far out from them immediately to reach what they threw. I essayed to swim toward the ship, but instantly i was conscious of a feeling like being pinioned in a feather-bed and moving my hands felt my jacket puffed out above my tight girdle with water i strove to tear it off but it was looped together here and there and the strings were not then to be sundered by hand i whipped out my knife that was tucked at my belt and ripped my jacket straight up and down as if i were ripping open myself With a violent struggle I then burst out of it, and was free. Heavily soaked, it slowly sank before my eyes. Sink, sink, O shroud, thought I. Sink forever, accursed jacket, that thou art. See that white shark, cried a horrified voice from the taffrail. He'll have that man down his hatchway. Quick, the grains, the grains! the next instant that barbed bunch of harpoons pierced through and through the unfortunate jacket and swiftly sped down with it out of sight being now astern of the frigate i struck out boldly toward the elevated pole of one of the life-buoys which had been cut away soon after one of the cutters picked me up as they dragged me out of the water into the air the sudden transition of elements made my every limb feel like lead and i helplessly sunk into the bottom of the boat ten minutes after i was safe on board and springing aloft was ordered to reeve anew the stunsil halyards which slipping through the blocks when i had let go the end had unrove and fallen to the deck the sail was soon set and as if purposely to salute it a gentle breeze soon came and the Neversink once more glided over the water, a soft ripple at her bows, and leaving a tranquil wake behind. End of chapter ninety two. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.